the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today as we are each and every day from 3 to 5. It is uh, Christmas time, of course, in the holidays. And, uh, you know, what are your plans? What are some things that you think about when it comes to uh, Christmas time? With me to talk about this is Pastor J.P. Jones. He's the founding and senior pastor of Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills, California. You can also hear him daily throughout Southern California and uh, around the world, actually, on his program, Truth That Changes Lives. And it can be heard on KKLA Sundays at 1030 in the morning. And uh, the church is at Crossline Church. Dot com. If you want to check out the website, Pastor J.P. Jones, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, thanks a lot. It's good to be here. Great to have you here. Now, I got a question. I might deal with this a little later in my show for, for me, but my whole life, I have had to work on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and until this year, being a pastor and growing up in a pastor's home. And uh, what do you do as a pastor on Christmas Eve? What are your traditions? Well, like you, I work on Christmas Eve, and uh, we usually, you know, have multiple services, and we have to plan our Christmas Eve around when is the last service over. Right. Uh, and so, uh, but we try to gather the family for a Christmas Eve meal, and it's usually something really simple to make, and we uh, we gather around, and uh, we, uh, for the longest time, my kids are are. are uh, young adults, and I have uh, several grandkids, but the tradition is to open one gift, which is to get usually Christmas pajamas right. that all match, of course, and then we all have to put on the Christmas pajamas and model them and take the, of course, obligatory pictures of us in the Christmas pajamas. So, it, you know, I probably have a whole series of pictures and videos of various versions of Christmas pajamas over the years. You know, all, the, all opened and tried on on Christmas Eve. And probably posted somewhere on social media so that those yeah. pictures are forever. Yeah, come back to haunt me. At least haunt my children, you know, because yes. uh, they love it when, when we <laughs> post pictures of them and pictures of the grandkids. <laughs> oh, we just had a conversation with my 14-year-old James about how texting is forever. Like Whatever you yeah. write down, somebody's going to Google you and that's going to come up. You know, it's a weird times that we live in. The world has certainly changed a lot, even this year, hasn't it? Oh boy, it, it has. And you, you know, I, 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 it's like those commercials on TV. You know, becoming like your parents. And I, 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 I realize that that happens. You know, and you start thinking like your parents and remembering the old days when things used to be a certain way. Do you think that that's just uh, in our minds? Because I'm in the same boat. I think I, remember, I've been very much lamenting the old days. You know. Is that correct? Every generation, is it like more correct for us than it was before, or are we just reimagining the old days better than they really were? Well, probably a little bit of both, but things were simpler. I mean, uh, and, you know, just being reflective, uh, uh, growing up, I, I grew up in Southern California, but 
it, it seemed like everybody that I knew, everyone in school, everyone in my neighborhood, we grew up out of a similar family background and a similar worldview. You know, it's I don't remember knowing anybody who was an atheist or a secularist or any of the other ists that exist today. It just seemed like we all kind of had a certain worldview. That doesn't mean it was biblical, but it was certainly more Christ-like. Yeah, you know, it. Um, this morning there was a conversation I was listening to about that. Uh, the uh, television producer Norman Lear passed away at 101 you know, yeah. today. And they're talking about all the old shows, the, uh, you know, All in the Family, the Jeffersons. And I used to love, uh, particularly the Jeffersons. I love that show. A whole bunch of shows, Sanford and Son, all those shows. And they were talking about how many of those shows, they probably couldn't even be done today. And is part of that because of the worldview question, you know, comment you just made, that was the idea is that we used to all be, even though we had differences and even though we had things as a culture to work on, and those shows would talk about those things, um, we were still on the same page about what we were building together or trying to build together. Have we lost that? Well, it, it certainly the media, I think, would lead us to believe that we've lost it. I don't know that that we really have. If yeah. we were to be, you know, the two coasts, the east and west coast are, are off in their own world. And then you have middle America that probably is much <laughs> more like what we remember when we were kids. Right. Yeah. But uh there was it, th- things were simpler. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of grew up like there were the good guys and the bad guys and we were Americans. So we were the good guys. And, you know, it just seemed a, a way of, of life. Now, as I said, that that doesn't mean it was completely biblical or Christ centered. Right. But I know for my own story, quite honestly, when I heard the gospel and became a follower of Jesus, it made sense to me because it fit my already understanding of truth and um, morality and what I what I intuitively believe to be true. Mm. The gospel just resonated with me as true. You know, we have uh, Christmas coming up. Your church has a, a Christmas, uh, probably a couple of Christmas programs, right? You've got the uh, Journey to Bethlehem uh, live nativity scene coming up uh, this weekend, the 8th or 10th of December. Is that right? That's correct. That, now that's a huge uh, production. We have we have a we have a large soccer field on our on our campus here in Laguna Hills, and we literally kind of recreate ancient Bethlehem, and uh, it, it's a full immersive experience for the whole family. Uh, we we we've seen it grow from just kind of a what you would think is a typical nativity scene with some animals to a, a, a large production with uh, a lot of experiences for for the whole family. And in a very wholesome environment, we, we we will see thousands of people come out each night, and uh, we we're excited to be able to share the the Christmas story with everyone who comes on our campus. When you think about this and your experience, uh, like when you got saved, maybe you can tell us about that experience. And you talked about a second ago how you had a worldview that sort of fit in, like it didn't wasn't too much of a leap philosophically. You know, you just learned where tr- truth comes from. Today, the worldview is different. People, uh, I think, are far from that. How does that affect our Christmas Eve programs or our Christmas programs in, in, with respect to how do we invite people that maybe has, this has changed over the years? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, because all of us have a network of relationships and friends, and, and people are at different places in their, in their outlook. I do think that we still live in a, in a culture where historically and traditionally, there's something about Christmas that even for the person who's not a follower of Jesus, it resonates with something transcendent and something meaningful. 
and for people even quite frankly to even maybe include on their calendar attending some type of religious service. So it is a completely legitimate question and invitation to talk to a neighbor or a friend or a coworker and say, hey, I'd like to invite you to our Christmas services at church. People are not offended by that. In fact, uh, they might be offended if you didn't care enough about them to invite them to something like that, especially if they knew that that was part of your own faith tradition. So it, that's what's great. It, uh, the Christmas season for us is our largest outreach season. Of course, we had a lot of people at, at Easter too, but Christmas because of the multiple services that we offer. And and mostly there are people who are, are, are invited by people from our church. Would you say that it's changed that maybe more people are interested in Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas festivities at their, the church in their community uh, as a culture? Is that, is it more about Christmas than Easter now, as far as uh, more people coming? That's what I experienced over time. Is it, Christmas seems to be even bigger as far as an opportunity to invite your friends and community members. Well, I think that's true. And, and uh, you know, I'm not a, wouldn't say I'm an expert on, on being a cultural analyst, but I do think that most people still have some connection of Christmas being about the birth of Jesus. Yeah. Whereas not everybody understands the dynamic of the resurrection as it relates to Easter. Uh, so for whatever reason, that message is lesser wove, uh, woven into the fabric of our culture. So people understand at some some level, Christmas is about the the birth of Jesus, and uh, it's a great opportunity for all of our listeners here to think about not only their own personal celebration, but how they can invite someone they know to to share with them in their own local churches and hear the message of Jesus and salvation. Yeah, you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Pastor J.P. Jones. He's the pastor of Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, and uh, they have a a Christmas program coming up uh, called Journey to Bethlehem. It's uh, this weekend, December 8th through 5th. You can get tickets at crosslinechurch.com. And, you know, you mentioned this, and I think you're right. You said a second ago that your friends, your coworkers, or people maybe you go to school with, people that you interact with on a regular basis, they might, hopefully they do know that you are a Christian and that you attend Crossline Church or whatever church you go to. And they might be wondering why, they might actually be wondering why you don't invite them to something like this. Well, uh, if you if you take it out of its religious context, things that we're passionate about or that we're fans of or that we have deeply held convictions about we regularly talk about with our friends. We talk mm. about it at work. We talk about it with our neighbors, uh, and and we don't have any hesitation. We start talking about the best news that's ever been given, and for some reason, we start getting weird. In fact, I just led a a, a class, a midweek class at our church called "How to Talk About Jesus Without Being Weird," and I <laughs> I picked that title because, quite frankly, people start to get weird when they talk about Jesus, and they don't need to be. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I I feel like maybe it's because you're walking into something where you feel like you might be rejected, right? There's a certain other wall that comes up. But I find that most of the time uh, we're not rejected, especially when it comes to Christmas and inviting people to Christmas festivities. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's because, well, there's obviously a spiritual battle. We know that the God yeah. of this world is blind to the minds of the unbelieving. Uh, we know that we're talking about things that have the implication of ultimate eternal reality, heaven and hell. But we're also sharing good news. I mean, That's even right. the announcement at Christmas time, the angel to uh, the, the shepherds, it's it's good news of great joy. So uh, we, we want to be 
keeping the good news good news as we live it out and talk about it with people. We need some good news today. The the news is pretty difficult, right? On our show, you know, we talk about the news of the day a lot of the time, but it's so negative so often. You know, sometimes I, I deliberately try to move away from that. But we have, just to have some more uplifting conversation, but we have the best story ever told. And we have the hope that people are looking for, which you're not going to find in Washington or someplace else. We have the story of hope. I think that's something that people can lead with. Yeah, I totally agree with. In fact, we we could even lead with, uh, in light of all that's going on, would you like to hear some good news? Yeah. And, and people would say, sure, because I, I, we all understand whether it's politics or uh, the, the war in the Middle East or in the Ukraine or or just uh, you, you name all the issues that are going on in society. There's a lot of bad news out there, but the message of Jesus and God's love for us, that's good news. Yeah. JP, you know, pastorally during this time and with what's happening, uh, not just with uh, Israel and Hamas and uh, what's happening in Ukraine, we've been seeing those things, but in our own culture, um, the you know what we're witnessing, I think, is um, maybe an uncovering of where we're really at. I've been surprised at how open people are with their anti-Semitism or their hatred. Um, and, you know, we're seeing the fall out of that. You know, pastorally, you know, what are some of your thoughts about that? How does the church respond in a time of cultural decline um, like we're seeing right now? Well, uh, you and I were just briefly discussing that before we went on the air, but it it's time where we we develop a spine, hmm. but at the same time have real grace about it. It's that it goes back to what the Bible calls us to it over and over again is truth and grace. We 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 uh, we need to be able to speak the truth to a lot of these issues because it's the truth that sets us free. But um, the the truth isn't a club to beat people over the head with. We've got to be able to demonstrate grace and be wise in the way uh, that we we communicate. You know, not, uh, oftentimes. Uh, Jesus didn't answer people's questions. And in other times, he turned their questions back around towards them, asking them a question. So, so following, I, th- I think, the approach of Jesus, uh, we, we've got to be gracious, but we, we have to speak the truth about, especially about these issues that they, they aren't um, they, they aren't open to an opinion. They really have a, a, have a, a biblical uh, basis to them as, as to what's right and what's wrong. That gives us confidence in what's actually true, right? To develop that spine that you need and the, uh, you know, to not be afraid to, of the possible rejection, to just to step right into this is what we're called to do. Yeah. And I, and I find that in conversations, it's always helpful to hear out the person that you're talking with, ask questions, be a good listener, uh, repeat back to them what you heard them say, and then maybe follow that up with a question that occasions you to be able to share the the position that you have as a follower of Jesus. That's a particularly good advice, I think, for this time where worldviews can be so different, because now what you might hear from somebody is something you've never thought about before or can't even comprehend, uh, you know, looking at the world that way. But that's where we are. And at the same time, you can't just walk away from that. Yeah, I, I, I had a conversation recently at the gym uh, with, with someone and uh, he had made the claim that he was an atheist, and he said it very uh, kind of defiantly. Yeah. And and and, uh, and and I could tell he was almost like anticipating what my response might be. Yeah. And 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 I my response to him was I I said you know what interests me more is not so much the fact that you say you're an atheist, 
but uh, the way you said it, I said, you said that with real energy. Uh, and then I, and he, I let that sink in and I followed that up and said, you know, why is that? Why do you, why are you so passionate about that? And then I listened to what he had to say. And in listening, I realized that his atheism wasn't rooted in some philosophy or intellectual pursuit, but he'd had an experience where he felt very hurt and disappointed mm. with God. And, and, and then he, he kind of developed his ideas and, in the course of the conversation, I followed up again. I said, you know, I find it really interesting that you have a lot of anger towards a God that you say you don't believe in. Yeah. And it just opened the door to a totally different kind of conversation. I think that's such a great insight. And uh, I was having a conversation with my son about the same thing, is that sometimes people who say that they're atheists, they actually believe very strongly in God. They're just hurt or mad or, yeah. you know, they, they have a misunderstanding of who God is. But they actually believe in God, but it's kind of one of those uh, you know, well, I don't want you in my life now. You don't exist to me anymore. But obviously yeah. they still do. Right. And even in that conversation, just to go back to that, I actually said at one point to him I, when he told me what had happened. And I just I just said, I'm so sorry that yeah. that happened to you. In fact, if I was God, I would have never let that happen. Hmm. But then I said, but obviously I'm not. Yeah. And so I have to believe that as hard as that was and still is, that there is a good God who loves you and cares about you and even can be with you in the pain that you're feeling right now. That's such a, that's such a great answer. And I think encouraging to uh, so many of us. So that's another reason why we should also be able to point people back to the actual Christmas story to push away all the clutter and things that get in the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the hope and the peace that we have uh, through our savior. That's why Christmas is such a huge deal. Yeah, in fact, that's why we are promoting Journey to Bethlehem this weekend, because it gives us the opportunity to share largely with the community. I mean, our people that are part of our church engage in these festivities, but this is by far something for the, the community to come to, to bring their families. It's wholesome entertainment. Uh, there's good food. Uh, there's inter, uh, There's entertainers. We have a cast of over 100 people. We've got a full petting zoo for children. We have, have camel rides out on our on our field. Uh, we reenact the, the, the Christmas nativity. There's uh, angels and, you know, it's very multimedia uh, and, and immersive. And everybody that I've ever talked to that's a part of it uh, expresses how it was a great experience for their family. And for many, I know it begins to plant the seed as to what Christmas is all about. It's about the birth of Jesus. And what does that mean to them personally today? Yeah, I think it looks like a great event. And there's uh, there's food and, the, like you said, the, the camel rides you know, that's, uh, that's kind of fun these days. And uh, unless the L.A. City Council gets a hold of you and they cancel it like they're canceling the rodeos, apparently. Can't ride those camels. Um, tell us, how do people get uh, connected with Journey to Bethlehem at Crossline Church? Yeah, it, I would say the easiest way is to go to our website, crosslinechurch.com. All the information is on there. You can uh, make a reservation and uh, purchase your ticket. They're $5 uh, a, a person. Children three and under are free. And uh, it's going to be Friday, Saturday and Sunday night from five to eight o'clock. And uh, it's going to be a, a great time. And and look for me because I actually play a part in the production. I was just about to ask you if you if they've dragged you into playing a part like you have to be there. Now, are you uh, are you Joseph or are you door holder number three? <laughs> I actually play Quirinius. The governor. Ah, all right. So that... <laughs> and I and I and I get to explain 
the role of Quirinius and tell Luke's account there in Luke 2 and why that's significant, even to uh, knowing the actual time of the birth of Jesus. That is great. I love that. Well, J.P. Jones, uh, thank you for doing that. I want to encourage everybody, if, if you can come out there to Laguna uh, Hills and Crossline Church, you can learn more at crosslinechurch.com and just click on Get Tickets on that website. Pastor J.P. Jones, thanks for being with us on the Pastor Scott Show today. I hope everything goes great this weekend. You bet. Thank you so much, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Journey to Journey to Bethlehem, December 8th through 10th. It is from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Once again, go to crosslinechurch.com, get your tickets, and uh, bring your friends. Buy a ticket for them, pay for them, and uh, bring them along. You'll have a good time. You even get to ride a camel and learn from Kyrenius, and uh, you're going to have a great time. All right, Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast of our show by looking for the Pastor Scott Show, and you can follow us right now on social media at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. And hey, welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show. I don't know what happened to our, our clip there. It got cut off somehow. I'll play it again. But that is a clip that's going around on social media that's pretty huge right now that is... Uh, a kid in the back seat, and mom saying, "Oh, did you get a part in the play?" And he's so excited about. And what you're about to hear was him getting so excited about playing door holder number three in his Christmas pageant uh, at his church or at his school somewhere. Uh, let me see. Is, is that was that on the clip? Okay, we're gonna get that a little bit later. Uh, <laughs> sometimes things like that happen. But if you're on the socials, you've probably seen that. Uh, and I just think that's fantastic. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Pastor Scott Show, glad to have you here. I need to come up with a Furrow family Christmas Eve tradition. And I'm going to tell you why. And I'd like to hear yours. Like, what has been a really good family tradition for you on Christmas Eve? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Let me tell you what our Christmas Eves have been like. for, And this is for me for my whole life. As a pastor for 25 years, and then growing up in a pastor's home, and even in between the times of uh, graduating, co- you know, college, moving out, I would still go home. You know, until I got married, I still went home to my parents' house on Christmas Eve, and Christmas Eve for my dad and for my mom and for me and for Christy, my wife, has been most of the time. In fact, I think all the time in my life about work. Like, I enjoy Christmas Eve. It's one of my favorite things. It's absolutely a great thing. And as a pastor, Christmas gets kind of hectic. And one time I was so busy, I remember asking my dad, do, do you, you know, when I became a pastor, I said, do pastors secretly hate Christmas because it gets so busy at the church with different services and stuff? But actually, you kind of work that through. And it turns out, you know, Christmas Eve is really great, but it is busy. So as a family, for a few years growing up, one of the traditions we had on Christmas Eve was we did make it out to dinner, either before or after the Christmas Eve service. There was an Italian restaurant we went to a few times up there in Palmdale, where I grew up, good place to be from. And uh, But we didn't do that all of the time. A lot of the time, Christmas Eve was hectic. My dad's the pastor. My mom's the choir director. Okay, at the church. So we had a big choir performance. There was always special music. My dad, of course, is doing the the service. And often I was singing or my sister was singing or we one of us was doing the readings, you know, of something. One time I was reading, uh, I think, the Apostles' Creed or something during uh, the communion that they were having during the Lord's Supper. And it was by candlelight. And the paper I was holding caught on fire. 
and I was 14, 15 years old, and I had to put the fire out by slamming it down on the pulpit. Bam, 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 bam. And uh, my dad was not pleased uh, that I was pounding the pulpit during the uh, somber, uh, you know, uh, Christmas Eve service. But uh, I had to put the fire up. That's how that goes. And uh, so, you know, that happened. But that was pretty much our our Christmas Eve. We'd go home and hurry up and go to bed, you know. Um, and then as an adult in ministry, very busy on Christmas Eve. And I've been trying to think. I don't think I've ever in my life had a Christmas Eve where – we had time to develop a real family tradition. We kind of had some family traditions accidentally. Okay, so in Christmas Eve services, when I'm the pastor, we usually had two, at least two services that we would be doing, and they would probably be at four and six or five and seven. You know, I think we alternated those times, maybe one time six and eight, but that's a pretty busy day. And I usually worked right up to Christmas Eve. And like we just said with Pastor J.P. Jones right before the break, it was uh, Christmas matters. It matters at your church. It's a big day. It might even be bigger than Easter as far as reaching the community and, and friends coming in. Um, and this year I've been thinking about this. I don't have any Christmas Eve traditions because I'm not the pastor of a church. I don't have to work on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is a Sunday. I'm not even here, uh, in the studio, right? This year. And last year I had that opportunity would have been the first time, but my parents who were coming out for Christmas, they got caught up in that airline nightmare last year. Remember that where all the planes got grounded and kind of wrecked everybody's, your luggage made it to the destination, but you didn't. And on Christmas Eve, after my parents trying to get on a flight twice, we're still not making it. I said, forget about it. I'm going to drive out to Phoenix and get you. And on Christmas Eve, that's what I did last year. I drove all the way out to to, uh, Phoenix, picked him up, drove all the way back. That's how I spent Christmas Eve. And we missed the service. We didn't get back in time for the service. And and it just came out. So I'm wondering, do you have a Christmas Eve tradition? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Something that you really like, something that worked well for you as a family. Because the Furrow family, we've got to develop some uh, traditions. This year, I don't expect to be traveling anywhere. I expect to be going to Christmas Eve service at, at a church where I'm probably not even going to work and uh, and just enjoy that with my family. Previously, Christmas Eve also, when we get home from church, you know, we wanted to have dinner. And probably sometimes we managed to have some kind of nice Christmas dinner. But I got to be honest, our Christmas Eve tradition most years became Carl's Jr., and it was me getting out of the Christmas Eve service, the Christy and the kids go home and everybody's hungry and I'm tired and I'm done. And there was a Carl's Jr. right down the street from where we lived. And so, you know, Western bacon cheeseburger Christmas Eve, that's where we are. And uh, I think we did that many times. My wife, Christy, probably doesn't want me telling the story, but that's where we were Christmas Eve. It became kind of uh, special. And we'd go home and uh, we'd have the uh, Carl's Jr., which is in a way kind of nice because uh, you don't have to... Uh, uh, do the dishes afterward, probably. And uh, then we get the kids to bed finally. And uh, at some point in the evening, my Christmas Eve tradition. Now, my personal Christmas Eve tradition begins earlier in the day because I am a Christmas Eve shopper. I mean, maybe that's another thing is that I like to wait till Christmas Eve. And there is a group of people at the mall or the shopping centers on Christmas Eve doing their shopping. And especially when you get in kind of to the afternoon, it's a... if. <laughs> Some of you freak out about the notion, and I get it. Christy can't handle this whole idea. Um, If she is listening, she's probably turning it off because Christmas Eve shopping for that particular Christmas causes her so much anxiety because she'll buy next year's Christmas gifts at the after Christmas sales. Not me. I'm Christmas Eve. I like it. You go in, you buy what you need, and, you, you know, what's the Christmas gift? It's whatever's left. You go and you get that. 
and you are surrounded at the mall with a whole bunch of other Christmas Eve shoppers, uh, a lot of men, and you notice that uh, you have something in common with all of them. You've waited till the last possible minute to go Christmas Eve shopping. The only thing that tops that is the second part of my Christmas Eve tradition. That is, I forgot the stocking stuffers or candy or something to put in the stockings for the kids. And uh, so where do you go on Christmas Eve at, uh, you know, 11 o'clock at night? You know where you go? You go to 7-Eleven. You go to the AMPM mini market. You go to, you know, the gas station uh, place and maybe there's some liquor store that's open. And, you know, you go to 7-Eleven on Christmas Eve and you know who's in there? It's packed. I'm not kidding. Packed busy with a whole bunch of 100% men who are buying last-minute gifts and stocking stuffers. And you have a camaraderie. Camaraderie. Was that? I'm, I think I mispronounced that. What's the word I'm trying to? Camaraderie? Yeah, camaraderie with these guys in there. And you all look at each other. And you're, you know, you're buying candy or you're buying the cheap sunglasses. You're buying, you know, if they've got a music section, you know, you're trying to explain the Molly Hatchet album cover and maybe you shouldn't buy that for your kids. And there's all kinds of conversation that you get in the, uh, the Mini Mart Christmas Eve. And uh, that's been my tradition. I kind of enjoy it. In fact, uh, I, I might just go do that even if I don't need to. It's such a... Uh, <laughs> An interesting experience. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, if you're up and about, check it out. 7-Eleven, 11 p.m. on Christmas Eve. What's your tradition? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Do, do you read the Christmas story? Do you watch a Christmas carol or read the book? Do you um, do you go to dinner somewhere? Do you do that before church, after church, a Christmas Eve service? You know, what do you, what do, you do? And, uh, you know... <laughs> Uh, and, and it's an odd thing for me. I'm just uh, speaking personally here because I realized earlier this week that I need to come up with something for my family because our family has been busy. Christmas Eve is busy. Whenever uh, we would go to visit Christie's family, Christie's family grew up in, uh, they didn't grow up there. She grew up in Seattle and her family was still up there. We used to travel up there. We kind of do every other year, her family, my family, her parents have passed away now, so we haven't been up there, but we would get on a plane on Christmas Eve after the services if we were going up there. Or sometimes I think she would go up with the kids early, and then I would go up and uh, do that. Um, we preferred to be together, so maybe we did that one time. Uh, or sometimes we'd fly on Christmas Day. Do you do that? I've also found that Christmas Day flying is much more relaxing than Christmas Eve flying. I think because on Christmas Day you're already late. Right, You just hope to get there before the end of the day to enjoy dinner or enjoy your family on Christmas Day. But if you're kind of delayed or it's crowded, you still got some time probably. Christmas Eve, you got to get there before midnight, right? It's cold. Everybody's grumpy. Everybody's in a hurry and a whole different experience. And, uh, you know, maybe people don't have as many Christmas Eve uh, other than hopefully you're going to church somewhere doing something on Christmas Eve uh, experiences. But I think it's important, you know, and especially in this day and age when so many things are lost, so many things are lost in the conversation about what the gospel is, about what good news is. And sometimes we forget that this is an opportunity for us to build into our family, to let people know that Christmas is actually about Jesus, and it's not about the gifts and the presents and the, you know, all the the falderall at Christmas. It's not even about the Christmas Eve service, uh, the service itself. It's about the message of that service. It is about the message to a world that is messed up that needs Jesus. So what do you do to communicate that? 
do do something to communicate that? What has been a good tradition for you? If you got uh, something you want to share with me, you can call 888-528-2557. I'd like to steal your idea if you got one. 888-528-2557 is the number. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about good news and uh, some other things. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow me right now on social media. Just go to at Pastor Scott Show and click follow or subscribe or whatever that button is that is on there. And uh, we'll connect with you that way. Plus, you can watch our show on KKLA.com in our live stream. And uh, you can wave and say hello. And uh, we'll do that. When we come back, uh, I think I got that clip. I'll play that clip for you here in uh, soon as we come back. I think you will enjoy that. All right, Pastor Scott Show, Wednesday edition. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Guess what I am for I'm a classic one. Classic role, is it? Classic part? Yeah. Um, Joseph? No. Uh, uh, one of the three ways men? No. But it's a classic part? Yeah. Okay. Um, you tell me then, because... I'm door holder number three. I'll be holding doors. That's amazing. Holding doors for who? Um, probably um, Joseph and Mary. Oh, my gosh. Were you pleased when they said that? And I was like, I'm a door holder. Get in there. Let's go. Yes. I'll have to wear, like, brown. Really? Yeah, probably. Excellent. That's, well, that's really smart, Milo. That is a uh, video going around on uh, social media of a kid who's, who is so excited about his role as door holder number three in his Christmas play. I mean, that is, uh, that's fantastic. That is, uh, you know, and he just, he says, let's go get it, right? He's going to, he is going to hold that door open for Joseph and Mary or whoever he's holding the door open for. Could be camels. He might be just holding the door open so the camels come in. Anyway, we tried to play that in the last clip. Last segment didn't uh, didn't play out, so there we have we have paid that off. This is Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Talking about uh, Christmas Eve and the traditions that you, you might have that have worked. And, you know, Christmas Eve, something this year with so many things going on in the world today, it is a great opportunity to remind people that the gospel is not good advice, it's good news. You ever think about that, that there's a, there's a difference between good news? You know, we call it the good news of the gospel. Maybe we take that for granted sometimes, but the gospel is good news. It's not good advice. There's a huge difference, okay? Because religion is full of good advice, right? Spirituality full of good advice, but you can kind of, you know, advice is something you can take it or leave it, right? Advice is something, it's counsel about what you might do in a certain circumstance. And, you know, if you have a decision you want to make in life, uh, by the way, the number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. The gospel being good news and not good advice. Good advice is something that you get when you have to make a decision about something. And so you, you go and seek counsel. You go seek people to give you input. And you know, it's helpful when everybody gives you the same input, you weigh that more heavily and maybe you weigh, you know, somebody's opinion, you trust them, they have a track record for being correct, more wise, maybe you listen to them a little bit more, but that's good advice. You can take it or leave it. You can reject all the advice. Maybe uh, it's not helpful, right? That's, that's what that is. But news is something else. 
when people come to you with good advice, you take it or leave it. When people come to you with good news, well, news is a report about something that's already been done. News is not something that you just take it or leave it. News is something that happened. News is an event that has occurred that you can't change, that you can't do anything about. That's why you have good news and bad news. You're going to, when somebody says you want the good news or the bad news, you're going to hear something that has occurred, or there is something that you're going to have to make a decision later about, right? But it's something that's a little outside of what you can do. Good advice is urges you to make something happen, to make some news, right? News instead is something that causes you to recognize that something already happened. And then whatever you make decisions about is in response to that news. So you get some good news, you get some bad news, but whatever that news is, you respond to it, but you can't do anything about it. You can't change it. It's the way it is. Uh, Advice is when people tell you, hey, I'm going to give you some advice about something. It's all up to you, ultimately. You still have to make a decision. News, something has been accomplished. Something has been done. It's history. It has happened. And what you have to do is respond to it. I heard somebody give this example one time of this. They said, you know, if an invading army is coming to town, then you need advice, right? Here are some plans for defending the city, right? This is what you should do if you're an average citizen, if you're a civilian, when the army is coming to town. And there's an uncertainty, right? There's advice. There's uncertainty about it. And should you flee? Should you arm yourself? Should you put plastic over the windows like we did after 9-11? And uh, remember that? I mean, there's all kinds of advice, right, of what to do. And uh, we get that now, right? The FBI has been talking about the elevated terrorist uh, warnings, terror attack warnings, which obviously we have. And we should be um, concerned about that, I think, with good reason. But the advice tends to be, you know, be vigilant. Okay, I'll be vigilant. What exactly does that mean? Well, after 9-11, for a while, you put tape over the windows because they might uh, fly a plane over and drop some chemical on you. Uh, there are all kinds of thoughts that were going on at the time. But that's all advice, right? And that's that's the difference between somebody advising you. That's You need advice. You can take it or leave it. But if you are a great king and you've already saved the city and the invading army has already been defeated and it's over, then what happens is, is you send messengers to tell everybody, hey, good news. It's over. The battle is ended. You don't have to tape up the windows. You don't have to decide whether or not you're going to flee or stay home. You don't have to do any of that because it's over. You know, when when somebody is giving you good news, they don't say, now, here's what you have to do. They say news is something's already been done and you can respond to it. You can celebrate. You can you know, do those kinds of things. Uh, you can take the plastic down. You can go back to your home. You celebrate the victory. You give thanks to the, you know, the king or whatever. And that's the whole difference. And this is what matters with our message at, at Christmas time. At Christmas, God sends messengers, the angels. That's what angels are. They're They're messengers. And they don't come with advice about how you ought to live your life. And they don't come, the angels aren't singing to the shepherds about advice for how to be better shepherds, how to uh, shear the sheep or take better care of the sheep or how not to lose a sheep or how to round up a sheep. They aren't singing about uh, certain things that the shepherds can do or not do. That's not what the story is. It is something that is so much better. It is the good news that the angels tell us about. It is that something has happened in the city of Bethlehem, in the city of David, that something has occurred, that there is peace on earth, goodwill toward men from the creator. See, that's the thing is that 
about the Christmas story that is so attractive. And this is how you invite somebody to your Christmas program or your Christmas Eve service uh, or whatever you're going to do. It's you just let them know this is about hope. This is something that is not going to be a lecture about how to live your life. It's going to be, this is what happened. Now you can respond to it about how you live your life, how you do it, but there's something that's already occurred. You know, this is something that has already happened. See, Christianity is not about self-improvement. Okay, that's not primarily what the faith is about. And Christianity is not about going to church so that you can have guidance for life or some group to fit in with. It's not about adopting a new life or living in community. All those things are part of what it means to be in the church and in community. Those things are good. It's about whether or not the story is true. It's about, did Jesus really live and later die for our sins? Did he really rise again from the grave or not? If so, then it makes all the rest of it true. And then it really matters. And then it's really good news. See, because if all of this Christmas stuff and the Christmas story, if it's just good advice, if it's just a heartwarming once upon a time story, you know, then the thing is, is it's not good news. It's just there's some advice probably in there about loving your enemy and loving other people and things that Jesus taught. But it's not really good news. It's just religious advice. But if Jesus died for your sins, if the reason the Savior came in the world was peace on earth, goodwill to men, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life, that if Jesus came to earth to be with us, to show us how to live, to live the perfect life that we can't live, and to die for our sins, to pay a penalty that we can't afford, and then rise again from the dead, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life, if all that is true, then the Christmas story is great news. That's the thing that we need to communicate in a world where there's so much bad news. I mean, I'm watching the screen, and we got another shooting, and uh, we are monitoring that, and we got other things happening that you know, most things are, are bad news. But the story that we have as followers of Jesus is really good news. And it's not good news that you, have, that you can change. It's something that happened, and you just need to respond to it. That's what you do to good news. The king has already won. It's already been done. The battle is over. Death has been defeated. There is no sting in it. That if you want to defeat death, you just accept this story is true. You accept that Jesus died for your sins and he rose again on the third day. That's super great. That is really good news. There's a lot of people, I think, sometimes maybe you're listening and you might be saying, you know, I'm not sure I believe any of all of that, but I've, I've met people who've said to me, I wish this were true. It all sounds good, Scott, but, uh, you know, I wish that what you were saying is true. Well, of course you do, because if it's true, then your sins are forgiven. You don't have to earn salvation. You don't have to, you're not going to be judged against other people for how good you are. And hopefully you did enough good things to beat out somebody else in their good things. And so that you're just better than them and you get some kind of better reward, whatever that is. How do you even judge that? It's pretty bad news, actually, the whole idea that I have to earn my own salvation, it's really good news to find out that it's been earned for me, that however good I think I am, I'm probably not that good, and uh, you aren't either. And some of us might be good or bad, depending on the scale you have, but at some point, all of us are bad. The good news is that Jesus knows that. He took care of it. And you get to be part of the family of God just by believing and accepting his sacrifice for you on your behalf. And then he rose from the grave. And that whoever believes that, even though one day you're going to die, you will rise up out of the grave the same way, right through the hole he punched in death into everlasting life. And you get that for free. You don't have to be 
have some kind of degree. You don't have to be born in a certain place. You don't have to speak a certain language. It translates very well into every culture on earth. This is the truth of Jesus Christ. That's the good news of Christmas. So whatever you're doing for Christmas time, I, I hope that you spend some time thinking about how great this news is. Sometimes we, once you've been a Christian a while, you forget that it's good news and you think it's just good advice. And then you start challenging yourself to live a certain way. And then you get down on yourself because you're not perfect and because you can't do it. And you keep disappointing God and you start to worry about that. And you should be concerned about those things. But that's in the advice category. The good news is Jesus already died and already rose again. He already came. It's been done. It is finished. That's super good news. You ask for forgiveness, you repent, and then you follow him. That's what you do. All right, Pastor Scott Show, when we come back, I have Larry Fowler with us. He is the founder of the Legacy Coalition. We're going to talk about grandparents or grandkids and how do you relate during the holidays to grandparents or grandkids. And I think you'll find that to be very interesting, and we'll take your calls during that. Pastor Scott Show, uh, 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 